entire first two chapters, but just different parts of those first two chapters that are especially relevant for the topic that we're talking about today. There's a story about a man who really didn't do much. He didn't have a job. He spent the majority of his time sitting in front of the television. One night, his wife came and sat next to him as he was watching TV, and she said, Honey, I'm really embarrassed. I'm really ashamed. What are you talking about? He asked her, Why, why are you embarrassed? Why are you ashamed? She went on to say, have you ever thought about how we have people pay everything for us and people do everything for us? For instance, my dad pays our rent. My mom buys our groceries. My sister drives us everywhere we need to go because we don't have a car that works. And she was going to go on to say, maybe we need to get a couple jobs. Maybe we need to start to stand on our own two feet and to provide for ourselves. But he interrupted her. You should feel ashamed. You should feel embarrassed, he said. Your brother, he doesn't do a thing to help us. See the problem there, can't you? I think a lot of people live with that kind of mindset. I think a lot of people in our culture particularly live with that kind of attitude that it's all about me. Life is all about me. The world should revolve around me. There are so many in our culture There are so many in our society who live with a mindset that says, you need to serve me. You need to meet my needs. Did this microphone go out? Yes, okay. If you would turn this microphone on, that would be great. All right, perfect. That's a little bit better, isn't it? I won't go back and repeat what I said just a few minutes ago. If you didn't hear it, then we'll we'll just continue forward. But I think about kids who walk into school with an attitude or a mindset that says, it's all about me. My teachers, the administration, my classmates are here to serve me. They're here to meet my needs. I think about those who live in their households as if every other member in the household is supposed to serve them hand and foot. They're willing to receive. In fact, they expect to receive, but they're not quite willing to give to those who are in their household. I think about those at work who expect some kind of special treatment. They walk in expected to be treating in special ways, expecting to be treated in different ways just because of who they are. I, I think about those who are even members of the Lord's Church. Maybe they're at worship every single Sunday morning, but when responsibilities start to show up, whenever work needs to be done, they're nowhere to be found. And I think it all goes back to this mindset. It all goes back to this idea that we see up on the screen. Life is all about me. Life centers on me. The world revolves around me. I have my hands out not to give, but to receive. I'm going to see what I can get out of people. I'm going to squeeze all that I possibly can out of the people who are around me on a daily basis. I think that you and I recognize that's not the mindset that we're supposed to have as Christians. That's not the attitude that we're supposed to have as those who have chosen to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we have our hands out, but it's not to receive. We have our hands out to give. According to Jesus' teachings in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, we love God with everything that we have. 
We love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And when we love God, naturally, the next thing that follows is that we're going to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. I'm reminded of the song that our kids oftentimes sing, J-O-Y, J-O-Y, tell me what it means. What does it mean? Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. That's the kind of mindset. That's the kind of attitude that we're supposed to have as followers of Jesus. We recognize that we're not here to be served by people. We are here to serve people. And that's what we're going to be looking at in the first couple chapters of the book of James. The title of our lesson this morning is Help Me Serve. The Bible tells us in a number of different places that this is who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be servants of each and every person that we meet. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 19 where Paul says, Though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Notice the decision. Notice the choice that the Apostle Paul makes. It's a choice. It's a decision that we're supposed to make. Though I'm free from all, I'm going to make myself a servant of all. In other words, I'm going to serve every single person that I meet. Every single person that enters into my life on a weekly basis. Think about the mission and the purpose of Jesus in Mark chapter 10 in verse number 45 that the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came to earth to live as God in the flesh. He came from heaven to earth to live as a perfect person, the Christ, the Son of the living God. If anybody was worthy of being served, it was Jesus. But He says, that's not why I'm here. That's not my purpose. I'm not here to be served, but I'm here to serve. If we're going to follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus, we're going to share in His purpose. We're going to share in His attitude, His mindset. Philippians 2 and verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's a mindset of humility. A mindset that says, I'm not here to be served by people. I'm here to serve people. Help me serve. Help me to serve like the Apostle Paul. First and foremost, most importantly, help me to serve people like Jesus served people. Help me to follow His example. Help me to follow in His footsteps. I believe that James gives us the help that we need. Or maybe we should say God, through the inspired writer James, gives us the help that we need in the first couple chapters of the book of James to be the servants that God wants us to be. I love that call. Help me serve. Because it recognizes that we're weak in some areas here. Help me serve. We're recognizing that we need God's help in this. And if we need God's help in this, the only place that we can turn where He communicates with us is His inspired Word. So let's see how James helps us to serve other people in the first couple chapters of his letter. Number one, if we're going to better serve others, then we need to ask God for wisdom. In James chapter 1 and verse 5, James says, if any man lacks wisdom let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him wisdom is the application of knowledge knowledge is what we know in our minds wisdom is what we do with it knowledge is knowing right from wrong 
knowing what God likes and what God doesn't like, what God desires and what God doesn't desire, wisdom is the capability to apply that in the decisions that I make. It's the ability to apply the knowledge that I have in the circumstances that I find myself in. I like to describe it like this. Knowledge is knowing that the stove is hot. What's wisdom? Not touching it. Not reaching out your hand and putting it on top of the flame. Knowledge is knowing that in the house, mom is not happy right now. So what's wisdom? Wisdom might be keeping your distance. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. Perhaps you've experienced that. Knowledge is knowing that cheating and lying is wrong. It's not what God wants us to do. It's a sin according to God's Word. Wisdom is the ability to say, okay, I'm taking this test. I'm working on this assignment at school. I'm not going to look at the paper of the person sitting next to me. I'm not going to copy off of the person sitting next to me. It's the application of knowledge. Knowledge is what we know. Wisdom is what we do with it. James meets us where we are in chapter 1 and verse 5 and says sometimes we lack wisdom. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. We know what God likes. We know what God doesn't like. But sometimes we struggle to know how to carry out that knowledge in the choices that we make. I'm coming to a fork in the roads. I know what's moral. I know what's not moral. But I'm still not sure what decision to make. I'm not sure what direction to go. James says if you feel like you lack wisdom, ask God for it. He says, if you ask in faith, verse number six, if you ask with no doubting, God will give you the wisdom that you need. God will give generously and he will give without reproach. If we're going to better serve others, I think we need to spend some time talking to God. We need to spend time asking God for wisdom in faith, in trust, and in belief. We know that we're supposed to serve other people. Sometimes we need wisdom to do that effectively. We know that we need to serve people regardless of the circumstances that they find themselves in. But sometimes that can be very difficult to do because different people find themselves in very different circumstances. Consider just a few questions here. How do you serve somebody who's going through the most difficult trial in their life? Okay, swing to the other extreme. How do you serve somebody whose life couldn't be better. Then look in the middle of those two extremes. How do you serve all of these different people in all of these different situations and circumstances? How do you serve your friends? How do you serve your spouse? How do you serve your kids and grandkids and other family members? How do you serve those who are at school, your teachers, your admin, your classmates? How do you serve those who are at work, your coworkers, your boss, your fellow employees? It takes wisdom in order to do that because different people find themselves in different circumstances. So if, if we're going to meet people where they are, if we're going to serve them, if we're going to meet the different needs that people have, we need to spend time talking to God and we need to spend time asking Him for wisdom. Number two, in order to better serve others, according to the book of James, we need to imitate God's giving. James 1 and verse 17 is a beautiful verse that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the Creator of the sun, the moon, and the stars, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It's amazing to think about how God blesses our lives. 
James says if you have a good gift, if you have a perfect gift that's present in your life, that's not just circumstantial. It's not just luck. God has given that to you. Every good thing that we have in our lives has come down to us from our Heavenly Father who loves us more than we can even imagine. Even though we don't deserve it. Even though we haven't earned it. Every day, every week, God continually blesses our lives. Do you think that has an impact on how we serve people? Why do you think God gives good things to us? Well, God gives good things to us so that our lives can be really good. So that we can feel good about ourselves. God gives good things to us so that we can heap up all of these blessings and we can save them. We can have everything that we ever need and not just what we need. God blesses our lives so that we can have everything that we want. But you see, this person over here, well, well, other people, that doesn't really matter. It just matters what I have. That might be the mindset that we have sometimes. Do you think it's possible that God gives good things to us so that we can turn around and give good things to others? Do you think that God gives gifts to us so that we can give gifts to others? Do you you think that it's possible that God serves us in such amazing ways so that we can serve those who we are around on a daily basis? I think that's what service is all about. Service, serving people, is all about taking what God has given to us and extending it to those who were around on a daily basis. But Tyler, you don't understand this person. This person doesn't deserve it. This person hasn't earned me to give good things to them. This person hasn't earned my service. Have you earned God's? Even though we don't deserve it, God continually pours out abundant blessings in our lives. If that's the case, even if the person doesn't deserve it, as the Apostle Paul says, we are to become servants of all and to make that decision on our own. Number three, in order to better serve others, according to chapter 1 and verse 22, we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. As Christians, we should love to listen to the word of God. We should love to read the Word of God. We should have a great interest in studying the Word of God to see what God desires for our lives, to allow God to communicate with us. But if that's as far as we go, we haven't gone far enough. James says in chapter 1 and verse 22 that we don't just listen, we don't just read, we don't just study the Word of God, we do it. We take what we find in Scripture and we invite it into our lives. It changes the kind of decisions that we make, particularly with this topic. It changes the way that we interact with other people. In order to better serve others, we have to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. And it's not just about this message. It's about any message that we hear from the Word of God. How are we going to respond to it? Are we just going to listen to it? Are we actually going to do it? Are we going to listen to it and then as soon as we walk out the back doors, it disappears from our minds and hearts that if somebody were to ask you about five hours from now, what the preacher talk about today? What text did you study? Oh, I, I can't even remember what we talked about today. Or is it different? I'm listening to the Word of God. Not because of the presenter, but because this is God's Word. These are the Holy Scriptures. I'm going to allow it to sink into my heart and to sink into my mind. And as I go out this week, I'm not going to forget it. But I'm going to keep it continually before my eyes so that I can do it. 
so that I can live it, so that I can invite it into the decisions that I make. Number three, if we're going to serve others, we have to be doers of the Word. The Word of God tells us to serve other people. Are we going to do it or not? Are we going to be obedient or are we going to be disobedient? Number four, our scripture reading from just a few moments ago, if we're going to better serve others, then we need to be interested in helping those who are helpless. James says, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. It's two things. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained or unspotted from the world. Back in this time, orphans and widows were some of the most vulnerable people. They were oftentimes taken advantage of. They found themselves in afflictions, as James says here, and they couldn't do anything about it. They were truly helpless. They found themselves in situations where they could not help themselves. So James looks at his audience to say, this is your responsibility. If you want to have pure religion before God the Father, you need to visit the orphans and widows. You need to serve them. You need to do all that you can to take care of them and to provide for the needs that they have. To try to remedy the afflictions that they find themselves in. I believe he lays down this principle That we need to understand if we're going to better serve others, we are to help those who are helpless. Oftentimes, we as 21st century Americans, we live with a mindset that says we should only help those who are what? Who are willing to help themselves. And we even go as far to say that's what God does. God helps those who help themselves. Notice that there's no scripture reference found for that. In fact, when you approach the pages of God's Word, you find the opposite of that. Go to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6 where the Bible says that while we were without strength, other translations say while we were helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God doesn't just help those who help themselves. God helps those who have no way of helping themselves. And we've seen that in the salvation that we've received from Him Through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to serve others, we need to help the helpless. Now, we're not talking about those who might be able to help themselves, but they're just not willing to do it. There are people in our town who cannot help themselves. There are people in our town who find themselves in situations where they are struggling, they are in need, they find themselves in affliction, and it's not within their power to do anything about it. James says if we're going to have pure and undefiled religion before God the Father, this needs to be laid at our feet. This needs to be accepted as our responsibility to help those who are helpless. Number five, if we're going to better serve others, according to chapter two and verse number one, we need to refuse to show partiality. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. The word partiality literally means to receive someone according to their face. When you're partial, it means you're showing favoritism, discrimination, or prejudice based on a person's external circumstances, things they can't control. You're showing favoritism based on the color of their skin. You're showing favoritism based on how much money they have in their bank account. You're showing favoritism based on their age, based on their gender, whether we're talking about male or female. James says in chapter 2 and verse 1, we have two options here and we can choose to hold on to one of them. These two things are mutually exclusive. You can choose to hold on to partiality and you can let go of your faith in Jesus or you can hold on to your faith in Jesus, the one who James identifies as the Lord of glory. 
And you can let go of your prejudice, discrimination, and favoritism. You choose one and you reject the other. You cannot hold on to both. If we're going to better serve other people, we have to refuse. Draw a line in the sand. This is not something I'm going to do to show partiality, favoritism, discrimination, prejudice based on external circumstances. As Christians, it shouldn't matter to us what color a person's skin is. It shouldn't matter to us how much money a person has in their bank account. It shouldn't matter how old a person is, whether we're talking about a male or a female. We are to serve all people, not to receive people according to their face, but perhaps to even receive people despite their face. If we're going to serve people, we need to remove partiality. If we're going to hold on to our faith in Jesus, we need to remove the prejudice and discrimination that oftentimes lies below the surface. Number six, if we're going to better serve other people, we need to be interested in loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. If you really, chapter 2 and verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself, then you are doing well. There James quotes from Leviticus 19 and verse 18, which was written hundreds of years before this was written, where God looks at the Israelites to say, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What gives him the authority to give that rule? I am the Lord. James calls it the royal law. It's the royal law because of how important it is. It's the royal law because it's been given by a king. It's the royal law because it's been given to a kingdom. The second greatest command according to Jesus in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine: You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. James says if we're doing that, then we're doing well. If we're loving each person that we meet just like we love ourselves, then we're doing what God wants us to do. We are right where God wants wants us to be in order to better serve others we need to love our neighbors as ourselves we need to fulfill this royal law if you're looking to serve somebody put yourself in their shoes if you're looking to serve somebody in your life put yourself in their circumstances put yourself in their situation to the best of your knowledge if you were in their shoes how would you want to be served if you were in their situation, how would you want somebody to reach out and love you? The answer that you get after you spend some time thinking about that is a good place to start in serving others. Put yourself there. Ask yourself the question, how would I want to be loved? And then go and love that person in that way. Number seven, if we're going to better serve others, we need to live in view of the judgment day. James says in chapter 2 and verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? One day we're going to stand before Jesus Christ in judgment. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. One day Jesus is going to judge you and He's going to judge me based on what we find in the law of liberty, based on what we find in the pages of this book. James says, live your life in view of that. Live your life every day, whether your words or your actions, whether you're speaking or you're doing. Live in view of the judgment. Keep the judgment in the forefront of your mind and speak and act accordingly. How will Jesus look upon us on the judgment day if we refuse to serve other people? What will Jesus say to us on the judgment day if we have refused to live our lives in service to others. I believe he addresses that. 
In Matthew 25, 31 through 46, oftentimes called the parable of the sheep and the goats. Remember this parable? How Jesus Christ is going to return and His holy angels are going to be with Him. And then He's going to sit down on His glorious throne. All nations are going to be gathered before Him. And He's going to separate them one from another just like a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He's going to place the sheep on His right hand, the goats on His left hand. And to the sheep on His right hand, He's going to say, come. Listen, this is beautiful. Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom that's been prepared for you from the very foundation of the world. What is Jesus saying to them? Come into your eternal reward. Come spend an eternity in my presence. Come into this kingdom that has your name on it. Why were they able to enter into God's eternal kingdom? It's because they serve people. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you came to visit me. Those who are on the right hand are going to look at Jesus and say, Lord, when did we see you that way? When did we see you in those circumstances? And we served you by meeting your needs. And Jesus is going to look at them and say, Truly, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. But what about those on the left hand? In contrast, he's going to look at them and say, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. They're not entering into the eternal kingdom. They're entering into the eternal fire. They're entering into hell. They're being cast into the place that was designed for the devil and his angels. Why are they going to spend an eternity in hell? It's because they refuse to serve people. I was hungry and you didn't give me food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and I was in prison and you didn't come and visit me. Lord, when did we see you in those situations? When did we see you in need and we ministered to those needs? Truly, when you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. How Jesus is going to interact with us on the judgment day where we are going to spend an eternity, whether in heaven or hell, is based upon our willingness to serve others. Because when we serve others, what are we doing? We're serving Jesus. And when we refuse to serve others, we are refusing to serve Jesus. So perhaps with that thought in mind, James says in order to better serve others, we need to live in view of the judgment. Number eight, if we're going to better serve others, we need to show mercy. Chapter 2 and verse 13, For judgment is shown without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is having compassion. Mercy is having pity on people. When you see somebody struggling, it moves you. When you see somebody hurting, it hurts you. And you can't help yourself but to reach out and to serve that person and to meet that person's needs. You're moved with compassion into action. James says if we refuse to show mercy, God's not going to show mercy to us. Judgment will be merciless for the one who was merciless. But what about if we do show mercy to our fellow man? James says that God will extend mercy to us. A beautiful and powerful statement. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In order to better serve others, we need to be moved with compassion. Moved with pity and mercy when we see people struggling like Jesus oftentimes was in His 
public ministry. What kind of feelings do you have when you see people hurting? What kind of feelings, what kind of thoughts rise to the surface whenever you see people who are struggling? Well, they put themselves there. Not my responsibility. Blinders are up. I'm going to try to pretend like they're not there. If we're going to serve people, it starts, at least in part, with mercy. I see them struggling and it moves me. I see them hurting and it pricks my heart. It causes me to hurt. It's like in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember that story? How a man's beaten and left half dead on the side of the road that goes up from Jericho to Jerusalem. And a priest and a Levite passed by and just walked by on the other side of the road. Then there was a Samaritan who stopped. What's the difference in Luke chapter 10 between the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan? You read through the text. The Samaritan showed mercy. And that mercy and compassion moved him into action. James invites us to do the same thing. Then perhaps in summary, point number nine for this morning, if we're going to better serve others, then we need to show our faith by our works. That's what the last half of James chapter 2 is dedicated to. This conversation about the relationship between faith and works. Okay, you believe in Jesus? You trust in Jesus? Place your faith in Jesus? That's a good thing. But we need to keep going past that. We need to keep moving. That faith needs to prompt us to action. He says faith without works is what? It's dead. Faith without works is demonic. Even the demons believe and they tremble. Faith without works is worthless. I love the challenge that he gives in chapter 2 and verse 18. Some are going to struggle with this. Some are going to try to separate faith and works. You have faith and I'll have works. James offers a challenge. Hey, show me your faith without your works. Is that possible? Go out this week and show me how much you trust in Jesus without doing anything about it. It's not possible, is it? James says, you go out and show your faith without your works, and I'm going to show you my faith by my works. I'm going to show you how much I believe in Jesus. I'm going to show you how much I trust in Him by the way that I choose to live my life on a daily basis. In order to better serve others, we need to stand alongside of James to say, I'm going to show you my faith by my work. Do, do you want people to see what you're all about? Do you want people at work? Do you want people at school? Do you want people who you're around on a weekly basis to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you follow Christ? You've placed your faith in Him. You've placed your trust in Him. You've placed your belief in Him. There's no better way to do that than by serving people. There's no better way to show how much you love Jesus than to reach out in service to those who are struggling in your life. Help me serve. James gives us some help, doesn't he? Gives us nine ideas in James chapter 1 and James chapter 2 that help us to be better servants, that help us to better follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus, being here not to be served, but to serve Help me serve. Okay, ask God for wisdom. Imitate God's giving. Be doers of the word. Help the helpless. Refuse to show partiality. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Live in view of the judgment day. Show mercy. Be moved with compassion. 
and show your faith by your works. Show how much you trust in Jesus by the things that you're willing to do. I believe that if we can invite those nine ideas into our hearts to not be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word this week, then we will find ourselves living out the heart and the life of Jesus and how we're willing to reach out and serve those who are around us on a daily basis. Maybe you look at this message and you recognize this isn't me. This is not the way that I've been living recently. I've been living a life that's all about me. I've been selfish recently. I've only thinking about what I need, only thinking about what I want. The challenge to be a servant starts today. Let's live out the heart and the life of our Lord Jesus in the way that we're willing to serve others. As we extend the invitation, it's amazing to think that God is willing to serve us. Even though we don't deserve it, even though we haven't merited it, even though we haven't earned it, God is willing to meet our needs when we're struggling, whenever we're helping. So maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you have difficulty in your life. Maybe you have sin in your life. Maybe you've never made the decision to become a Christian. This is just one opportunity to lay those things at the feet of Jesus. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to encourage you in any way that we can as together we stand and sing our song of encouragement.